I'm Leah. And I'm Mike. And this is Let's Talk Outdoors. Today we are chatting with Jen Mason about forest schools, child-led learning, play, and the Child and Nature Alliance of Canada. Thanks for being a part of this, Jen. It's great to have you. Um, Oh, thanks for inviting me. uh, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and maybe even lead into your current life? Sure. Um, So I was born here in Saskatchewan and I grew up rurally outside of Saskatoon. Um, With all of my family, we kind of joke it's called Mason County in our minds because we all live around each other on land that was gifted from my grandparents. So as you can imagine, I grew up um, out in the garden and out in the bush with all of my cousins. And we just kind of flip flopped around to each other's places and to my grandparents and would pop up wherever. So that was kind of my life growing up. And I went to a rural school. Um, I think, unfortunately, when we were growing up, there weren't a lot of opportunities for outdoor learning in the school system in comparison to today. Um, but I was fortunate to have that at home with my family. Um, So then came university life. Uh, There wasn't a lot of outdoor opportunities at that time either when I went to university and I started in the College of of Arts and Science and got my sociology degree. I knew I had always planned to go into education, but I wanted to start with sociology. I was really fascinated by um, people and their interactions with one another. And so after my sociology degree, I took a break and I went backpacking around the world and just kind of lived out of my backpack, which was a great outdoor experience, completely different from anything I'd had, obviously, growing up in rural Saskatchewan. So that really uh, opened my eyes to a new world and a new way of uh, being and thinking about the world. When I came back, I entered the College of Education. I knew I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. Um, that's kind of where I was at. And so I started and did my internship. It was very traditional. When I finished at the college, I automatically got a job teaching kindergarten in Saskatoon in a community school. And we did spend some time outside, but we didn't have a space. There wasn't a lot of landscaping in our schoolyard. Um, wasn't certain about the area it was new to me so it was a lot of indoors to be honest and because um we were a full day everyday kindergarten it was very heavy on literacy and mathematics so I felt a lot of pressure with that at the end of that year full day everyday kindergarten was cut from my school division so my job was cut and so I kind of was in limbo land and decided to apply to my current school division Prairie Spirit which is the donut surrounding Saskatoon and it's all rural schools and so I interviewed for Asquith didn't want to didn't want the job cried now I look back and it's the best thing that ever happened to me so it's a good life lesson of your worst moments in life can turn out to be actually your best moments in life. Um, So I started there in kindergarten as well. I had two kindergarten classes. I had come from this world of literacy and mathematics and Prairie Spirit didn't have those same beliefs. So it was really a big learning curve for me going there because they're very much play-based hands-on experiential learning for our earliest learners. 
And I quickly learned that we had a very similar community to what I had grown up in, in that they were rural children coming from farms and acreages. And this school experience that our school grounds actually border a farmer's field that we use. So I quickly learned that that was the place they wanted to be. And I wanted to be there too, because that was my best memories from growing up. So we, the more I taught the, as the years went on, I just kept spending more and more and more time outdoors. And the more time I spent outdoors, the less behaviors I saw. And some of those students that we maybe say are the bad students, um, they aren't bad. They just have different needs and desires and they actually are the ones that thrive outdoors, I find. And so I just really wanted that for all children to feel like they were thriving and that their needs were being met. And that wasn't happening indoors with all students, but when I was outside, it was happening for all students. And so eventually I just decided and went to a maiden and said, I want to do pre-K outside. And they were totally supportive of it. They said, what do you need? What do you need to get started? How can we support you? And it just kind of grew from there. I was really worried about the backlash of parents. But as tonight, I was telling both of you, I had student conferences in the forest and the parents were just raving about how they tell everyone about our pre-K program and everyone says to them, what in that small town that exists? It sure does. So that's a bit of my background in the schooling system. I also am connected with Child and Nature Alliance of Canada as a shadow facilitator currently and turning into hopefully soon a facilitator on my own. Um, I really just feel like I have found my people being part of that community. And I'm really fortunate to have my mentor Lise to connect with whenever I need to. So it's just been a really great fit for me. Um, I'm just really passionate like those people there. There's a lot to unpack there, Jen. Uh, cool. I guess one of the, one of the things as you're talking that really kind of stands out to me is when you approach your admin and it's great, you had a supportive admin, but I mean, it still falls on you to, to kind of be the one that's responsible for all this and bringing little tiny ones on to the outside for all day. I guess what made, what made you confident or what kind of, what was a transition for you that, that made it so that you were like, yes, this is something that I'm, I can do, even though you went through a very, like you self-described it as a very like traditional kind of mm-hmm. in the classroom internship and training up to that point. Um, I think when I started first going outside, I thought I had to have this big grandiose plan of what was going to happen and exactly timed out what we were going to do. And I kept seeing that fail. So one day I thought, let's just go out and see what happens. And we ran out into that farmer's field and it just took off. It ended up turning into the trees being maps and the children finding stories and telling stories and playing and learning about nature. And that day is the day that changed me. I tell everyone that because I just started seeing I didn't need this grandiose plan. I didn't need all these props and materials. I just needed children outdoors. Um, And I needed to sit back a little bit and trust in the process. And that's really scary. That's the scariest part of getting started because I think as educators, often we think, we are the power or something, but we are not. The children are the power. And so I just gave that power back to them and it led us to a beautiful place. From there, I just continued to increase the amount of time we spent outdoors. That was intentional, but also 
unlike indoors where it was always, I have to fill this time. What are we going to do for this period and this period and this period? I actually didn't feel when we were outside, we had enough time because the students were so engaged. And I would say, you know, I think we have to go back in soon. And they started asking why, and I didn't have an answer for that. I don't know why we have to go inside. We don't. And so when it, when it dawned on me, yeah, we don't have to go inside. Why would we, if everyone's happy, everyone's engaged, everyone's learning, we're thriving. Yeah, we're just not going to go inside. And so it started just being that at lunch, we would just go outside for the and stay out until the end of the day. And that just kind of like rolled into, well, let's like go out earlier. Let's go out earlier. Let's just be outside. Why are we even inside? Let's just be outside. So that being said, I do obviously have an indoor classroom. We live in Saskatchewan, um, but it's minimally used. We're only used when we have to use it, I guess. So it's nice to have a base camp indoors so, yeah and it is yeah yes that's something else i guess when i think of base camp uh we have in the last two years established an outdoor base it's not fenced in or anything i think often people think you need this outdoor classroom it's literally a tree lined on our school grounds where we do leave things out our community is really supportive which is wonderful um but that is just our base camp we do go exploring throughout the community um, and out on the land we don't just stick to that one place how has being outside changed their relationship with the rest of the community like they must see you and your students outside a lot more yeah, so because we do go access different places in the community, both within town and kind of out in the farmland, people see us all of the time. And it's interesting um, if we have conversation with like the town workers or with, you know, the elderly people or the post office, different things they see us and they want to know what we're up to and they stop and ask. So it's really shown how early learning outdoors can really connect community. Um and I really love how it's given children a voice to share their learning with the community, because I think sometimes people say, oh, they're just out there playing. But once the children start to vocalize what they know and the vocabulary and their experiences, people are kind of come back with, wow, you guys are doing a lot out here. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily realize. So it's great to be able to have those community conversations. And I think especially in a time that we're in now, when there's limitations within um, visitors to the school, it's really great that we're still connected to the community just as we always were because we're outdoors. I think one thing that always follows outdoor educators of all levels are comments of, you know, they're just playing or they just like going for bike rides or whatever. Kind of what, how do you handle those sort of, those sort of comments from parents? I mean, they get to see you in the community, but I'm sure there's still mumblings. Oh yeah. I mean, there's always those things, right? Is my child going to be ready for this? Are they learning that? Um, And I guess I put it back to choice. Children need choice just as us as adults do. And children are doing what their body physically, um, emotionally, academically needs. So they're going to seek out those experiences when they're ready for them. And we support them in that. Just because we're outside, it doesn't mean they've never picked up a pencil. Just because we're outside, it doesn't mean we've never talked about a number before. Um, Mm -hmm. We just do that in different ways, right? Like when we're counting the tree rings to figure out how old the tree is, or someone finds a leaf and wants to use metallic pens on it to create a leaf message for their best friend. 
we're doing all those things. It just doesn't look traditional. And I think that sometimes scares people because we all went to school. We all think we know what school should look like. I always tell people, though, do you want to watch the same television set that you had in 1950 when you went to your grandparents? Likely not. So why do we want school to be what it was in 1950? And I think sometimes people that kind of catches them like, oh, yeah, school should evolve. Not everyone shares that mentality, and that's fine. Um, And then I just ask a lot of questions. What do you believe education should be? And when families start to share what they believe education should be, I highlight how we are still doing all of those things. You just maybe missed it. And that's okay because not everyone can see it. Um, And that's my job. My job is to show them that this is giving their child the best education. And even more, I think, especially when we look at pieces such as mental health, um, just choice, the physical activity piece. There's just so many benefits to being outside that we don't necessarily see inside. And I also always highlight the behaviors because when we're outside, there aren't behaviors. We don't have children um, engaging in some of those things that we maybe see indoors. And so it's just more of a authentic experience. I also tell families, we are animals. We are meant to be outdoors and moving our bodies um, and exploring the land. And so we feel at peace when we're out there. Mm. For some people, I think it's easy to see the value of play for little people, the people that you work with, but it can get harder as the students get older. How does play and the philosophy that you are using in your pedagogy change if you're thinking about older students? I don't think it does change. Um, I think like I often will work with our older students. So the other day I was out with grade four, five. I mean, we're outside. We're learning about the Cree people that were there on the land prior to us. We were learning about what they played as games, as children, to develop the skills they need. We talk about the skills we need and how we can develop games out on the land. So I think it's just looking at what the child is at and ready for developmentally and giving them that experience outdoors. We have always, as a being been been outdoors historically it's really recent that we've moved fully indoors and i think we all should be able to recognize some of the negative impacts of that so when we bring children back out onto the land it doesn't matter what age they are there's experiences to be gained from that and i think even as an adult when i go out whether it's with my child or with my class or with a friend there's something new to be learned that Land is knowledge and there's so much to be learned from the land. You mentioned your kid there. Have have you found that your professional experience with play and kind of play philosophy influenced your parenting at all or? Yes, a hundred percent. So my child will be three in January. So obviously conversations in our house have begun about what school will be for him. (laughs) Um, And it's hard. I don't know that I could send him to, you know, a a traditional classroom setting. Um, He loves the outdoors. He is fortunate to be part of two outdoor programs here in Saskatoon. And he thrives and loves them. And we see as a family the skills he has gained being with our family, being outdoors, being in his outdoor programs. You know, I, I don't know that school serves the purpose that 
I want for him. Um, and I think that's maybe funny for people to think when I say that, that uh, coming from the education sector, but I just know what he could experience by being part of programming that is outdoors and just for him, what skills and joy that would bring to him. And just, again, that mental health piece, um, and the physical piece, he loves being physical. So I can, I'd have a hard time sending him to sit in a desk for six hours. Yeah. <laughs> he might have a hard time. So. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not every classroom. There's some beautiful programs in our public schools, which I love. Um, but you know, there's that ebbs and flows. So I, it's definitely something to think about. We are definitely a play-based family. We're definitely an outdoors family. So yeah, that's, it's hard to navigate what the school world will look like for him. We talked a little bit about the Child and Nature Alliance of Canada. Um, and I was just wondering if if there was kind of a pivotal moment or a series of maybe small things that led you to want to be a forest and nature school practitioner. That's kind of interesting. I would say for the last four years, I have considered taking the practitioner's course and I would look at it and there would be no course offerings here in Saskatchewan. So then it was, okay, well, where could I go? I'm kind of negotiating back and forth on that. And then I was pregnant with my son. So that was just not obviously a good time. And then pandemic and then uh, CNAC advertised that they were wanting to hire shadow facilitators. And because I closely follow them and always read their literature and whatnot, I decided I I'm going to toss my name in. And in all honesty, I did not think they would pick me because I know most of them are from Ontario. So I just thought, well, I'll toss it in and it'll be a pass and that's fine. Um, But no, they called me and wanted to have a conversation with me. And we just like were a good fit for one another. Um, And so it just kind of led me there. So I think I almost like attracted that by continually going back and thinking, I need to be part of this. I need to be part Mm. of this. And it was just never the right time. And I guess the stars aligned and here I am now. So, and yeah, I really just feel at home. It's one of my favorite times of the week when I'm with that community. That's fantastic. So let's go door. So Jen and I recently took the forest school. Well, I attended the one, the forest school course that she was shadow facilitating. And that's how we met. And so, as you know, Sasco Doors would like to support forest and nature schools in Saskatchewan. And what possibilities do you see for forest and nature schools? You know, I think, especially with the health situation in our province, I do believe it is gaining more ground. I think it will be a more popular option. We are seeing public schools within our province offering a variety of programs outdoors, and we're seeing the benefits of that. Um, I think the next steps is the privatization piece because sometimes people are scared to take that first step on their own. It is, it is a risk. You don't know where it will lead. Um, and also just because we live in Saskatchewan and in their minus 50 days navigating what that might look like, but we are seeing programs pop up all over our province that support the philosophy, um, or ideologies of it. So I think it is going to grow in popularity. I think it's just having those people willing to take those risks to move forward with their passion. And I know a lot of passionate people in our province that really want to do that. It's just finding the right path to do so. Hmm. I really do like one of the, um, 
philosophies, I think, of that group. And it's the value of the process as much as the outcome. And I think that that I was saying to Leah before the interview, actually, that I think that that's really missed in, in so many divisions. And I'm not saying it's about ours, but I think there's just so much focus put on the outcome and are the kids meeting this outcome. But like you said, those kids playing outside or like doing whatever I find, you know, it's hard to keep up with all of them. Cause when you do have a big class, it's like, well, where are they? But then you go and like sneak up on some, or even if they see you coming and they don't care, they're not changing what they're talking about, but they are talking about really cool things. And you're like, ah, and then they're learning these neat things out there too. And then, yeah, they get the outcome eventually, but the process is so much cooler when you're doing stuff like this. And we were saying, you know, it's always the process, which is, the most meaningful part, like winning a race or winning, you know, achieving something in your life is always about the process, but we are really focused on the outcomes. Um, I find in, in education. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think, I think of even, for example, university students right now that I know I'll ask them, do you enjoy your university experience? I just want to get my like degree. Yeah. I just want to get it done. And I think ugh, like what a wasted yeah. opportunity. Money. Are, and I think back to my own, I wasted some of that opportunity as well. Um, but you're being given the gift of time and space to really dig in and learn and be part of a process. And all you're thinking about is the end product of literally getting that piece of paper, which I, I mean, yes, there's benefits to it. Um, but I just think if our kids are just thinking about the end process, so an exam, a grade, whatever it is in the school system, are they really learning? I don't know. I think they're just memorizing to jump the hoop. They're missing out on an opportunity. And I think in this day and age, people have the ability to Google anything within one second. So I don't think it's the facts that we need to memorize anymore. We need to be big thinkers. And that comes through the process, not through the product. Yeah, nicely put. Mm -hmm. I have a 12 year old. And so we're regularly discussing the value of learning multiplication and, and some, some of those math facts because he says, well, I always have a calculator. And so it reminds me of that and how we're trying to talk to him about understanding what you're doing and why you're doing it is important. It's not mm. just that you can figure out the answer. Yeah. Well, and that's deeper level thinking too, right? If you can understand the concept of multiplication, not just the answer, you have a lot more skills. It's not always easy to convince a 12 year old though, of that at 12 years old, right? It's no. also not easy yeah. to convince a 21 year old in university that they have a gift right now. So Mm -hmm. I mean, all in time. <laughs> it's all a process. <laughs> we were just tree planting out at uh, a farm, part of this one school, one farm program. And uh, the, they're homeschooling their kids out there and their kids are quite young. But the, the, their son had this knife belt. And I remember that my kids are my kids are a lot older than his. And they're looking at them, you know, they're all grade nines. They're looking at this little guy holding this knife and they're like, is that safe? And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like, but this kid's been holding this knife for the last five years of his life. <laughs> he's a little tiny dude, but it's really neat to kind of see. And he's just grown up like that. He's just grown him and his sister have just grown up outside and they just love their plot of land and going around. They're leading everybody around. And there's something pretty unique when, when little ones, like as young as they are, are, are kind of taking control of kids that are twice their age. 
Yeah, I being uh, with little people each day, I really advocate for them because just because they're little, often people think they're incapable. And it really drives me insane when people think that because they are the smartest people on this earth. They know more than us. They see everything. They can figure everything out. Um, and they don't have the societal norms holding them back from doing that, that we've kind of had to live through as we grow, grow up. So I really always say, I think this child's ready for this. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I think they can handle it. We just have to approach it in the proper way, right? Knife safety, knives are dangerous for adults. I think I know more adults that have cut off limbs than I do children. Um, so just, you know, working with them to gain those skills that they need to be safe. Mm-hmm. I think often we don't trust in children, but really they're more trustworthy, I think, than most of us as adults. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Me included. Uh, me yeah, with me a hatchet too. and an axe. It's kind of like, oh, slow down. <laughs> yeah. in, in the forest and nature school course that, that we took, we talked a lot about the relationships, that there are six relationships in a forest school. And that, first of all, that reminds me of the relationship with power. And, you know, that's one that can be really challenging for for adults, I think. Um, but we wanted, I wanted to ask too about the relationship with land as one of those principles that are relationships that we discussed. Um, can you talk about how your relationship with land has evolved and what role land plays in your practice now? Yeah, it's, I think before I thought going outside, even though I had such a rich experience as a child, I think I thought going outside meant you take whatever you were going to do in the classroom indoors and you just do it outdoors it doesn't work. It's not great. It's not very engaging because um, it's not authentic. And so the more time I spent outside and the more time I spent learning, the more I was able to trust. And we talk about the relationship of trust too. The more I knew the land, the more I trusted what would happen out on the land. And part of that was also trusting kids. Um When I first started taking kids out, I was very cautious about where we went and, you know, stayed really close to the school grounds or places in town that were uh, more nature based that I trusted. But as time went on, I realized I trust the kids. I trust the land. We can be safe. And so we started venturing out into places I would have never considered going. When I started going outside, I would have been too scared if what wildlife might be there, what hazards might be there. Um, But just learning if I go there and explore that space ahead of time and know that space, there's nothing wrong with going to those spaces that are far away. And so I really feel... Mm -hmm. the land is a language that we have to learn and the land is a language that we have to learn and it never ends really I just think of all the surprises that I found this fall as we're out exploring and adventuring so I think trusting in the land trusting in the kids gives you a deeper connection to the land um And there's so many faucets to the land too, right? There's the physical ground, there's the plants, the animals, there's the stories of people um, that have come before us. So there's just so much to uncover. I think that's part of what I like about it because 
no two days are ever the same because something new is presented by the land. And as my knowledge and the children's knowledge grows, new conversations are had that lead us to new explorations. That's great. I love that idea of the land being a language. I think I'm still learning that one for sure. I tend to, I think I do do a lot of bringing like what I do in the classroom and putting it outside um, as opposed to kind of learning more about the land in, in a more in-depth way and then just kind of making that, embedding that in the lesson. I kind of just like sometimes place the kids outside and say, now do this, but in a different setting. And I think I have to, that's part of my approach that I have to kind of fix up. But actually we've been talking about, Jen, we've been talking quite a bit about uh, Forest Nature School and and the Children and Nature Alliance. And But we actually, we should talk about what what being a practitioner with that group actually means. Oh, okay. Well, we meet once a month, virtually, obviously, because we're spread all across Canada. There are practitioners in every province now, which is really exciting. That was one of their goals, which is lucky for me because I'm the Saskatchewan one. (laughs) Um, But we meet every month online for an hour and a half. And topics vary. It really depends. As I said, I have my mentor, Lise, who I connect with on a regular basis. Um, We also have professional development. So, for example, right now in the next coming weeks, we are all taking sister circle training, which uh, connects to reconciliation. Um, So that's something we're all doing that's being provided by CNAC. Uh, Aside from that, we have a story park group with just an online platform where practitioners go and connect with one another and share stories and resources um, and the like. That is kind of what CNAC is very um, go with the flow, which I think is great for forest school, because I think that is what forest school is, is go with the flow. Um, very committed to reconciliation. Um, that's a big piece of it right now. Definitely wanting to support all of Canada is a big move of CNAC right now. I think traditionally we've seen that they really support Eastern provinces, mainly Ontario, but they're wanting to have large bases in each province across Canada. Oh, and obviously facilitating courses. So very exciting. We do have another uh, practitioner's course coming to Saskatchewan in July. It should be announced right away. So just continuing to grow the members within the community. And we're so lucky that you are part of CNAC and in Saskatchewan. Yes, I remember when you met us, you thought we were both from Ontario. And I was like, no, I came from Saskatoon and Lise came from Winnipeg. We are spreading. Yes, that is wonderful. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of questions that we asked all of our guests, Jen, and we, we did pre-warn you, but they're still tricky questions. Mm-hmm. One is, if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? I think there are a million great answers to that question, but if I'm going to be a realist in the moment, being part of the public school system in Saskatchewan, I think something that is attainable tomorrow would be every school in Saskatchewan, regardless of grade, age, subject area, should be spending time outside on the land and large blocks of time. It shouldn't just be specialized programs. And I think we all know the benefits that could provide be provided for students 
And also educators. The more educators I talk to that spend great lengths outside say their mental health has improved. And I think we can see challenges within the school system um, that could be easily mitigated with some of this outdoor learning. So that is my one wish for Saskatchewan right now is to have every public school required to spend time outdoors for every subject area for every grade level. I think that's got to be the focus of professional development over the next 10 years as our world changes. And it's just kind of got to be what we do. Yes, I am very excited. My division just approved three full days of professional development for early learning teachers for outside. So I'm very excited for that to go forward. You'll have to document that and make a little <laughs> thing about it and send it out to every other division. That's right. a thing. Yes, I know. Everyone needs to do it. Everyone. The last question we like to ask our guests is, uh, what's your favorite outdoor place to visit in Saskatchewan? Being from Saskatchewan and being from Saskatoon, I have two places. One is out by my family's acreage farm area, just because there's so many uh, amazing memories and connections I have to that space. I could go anywhere in that space and tell you a story and be connected with my family. So that's my personal one. Being a person from Saskatoon, my other one is the riverbank. It's just such a beautiful space in Saskatoon. There's so many hidden paths and bushes and places to play. And I grew up every Sunday, my mom would load up our bikes into my dad's truck and take us bike riding on the Miwasan every Sunday. So I think I just have really great memories of Miwasan. And also with my son doing outdoor programming in Saskatoon, that's where his outdoor programming is. So it's just really a strong connection and good feeling when I'm there. Beautiful, wonderful answers. Is there anything that you else that you would like to add to our conversation, Jen? Well, it was really cool getting to talk to you. Yes, thank you for having me, guys. This was fun. And yeah, I'm not joking though. You should like document what you guys do in this PD because I think that's such a valuable thing. Not even, not only for early years. I think it needs to be done in high schools too. Of just this is what yeah. needs to happen. Leah, what was your big takeaway from this interview with Jen? The real, the most impactful part for me was when she talked about being an advocate for little people, that she works with little people. And sometimes they just get overlooked as being little and not knowing anything and how she can really see the wisdom that they have, their understanding of the world and what they can contribute to, to their environment and, and the people around them. Um, I think that's really valuable perspective to have. Mm -hmm. Mike, did you have a big takeaway from the interview? Yeah, I like how she, I like how Jen used the term that the land there's a language to the land and you got to learn it. Um, and it's I've I've just I respect so much how people like you, Leah and, and Jen, who just continuously try to learn new things about the outdoors and kind of look for new avenues to learn more. Um, and that's something I've got to make sure I keep up with in my practices. And uh, it's hard to find time, but it needs to happen to kind of make better lessons happen outside and, and have those. Yeah, I think more genuine moments on the land, too. This podcast is produced in association with Sask Outdoors. Check us out online at saskoutdoors.org.